Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. About a year ago, we collected a 22-pound brown trout in beaver tailwater, which was hands down the biggest brown trout I've electrofished of all of our trout fisheries during my career. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Bean. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to take a minute to let y'all know a few things before we get to the episode. Make sure you're subscribed and following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, if you want to support the show, there's two things you can do that would really help us out. One, of course, leaving the podcast a nice review goes a long way and helps people find us. And if you leave us a five-star review, screenshot it, and send it to us via email, we'll send you a free Ozark podcast sticker in the mail just to say thanks. The second thing you can do to support the show is to go check out our Patreon website. The link is in the show notes, and we've got lots of cool stuff for y'all over there. If you sign up for the White River Club, you'll be able to watch the raw and uncut full-length video episodes with each of our guests. You'll get exclusive discounts on all of our merch, and we'll send you a new and unique Ozark-inspired sticker every single month. On top of that, we'll even give you a shout-out on our next episode. So there's lots of stuff there for y'all to interact with us and for us to interact with you. And of course, always feel free to reach out. Now, let's get to the episode. Today, we are in Fayetteville at the Puritan um, coffee shop. So if you hear some background noise, that is why. Um, And if you can't already tell, we are missing our host, Kyle Veet, who unfortunately was not able to make it here today. Um, So you're stuck today with myself and Kyle Plunkett. Kyle, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing good. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I know Veet was really bummed about not being able to make it here today because he was really excited to, to talk with you and just kind of hear, hear some of the stories you have and, and the insights you have. Um, but with that being said, today we are joined by a very special guest. She is the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission's Trout Management Program Supervisor. It's a mouthful. And as of um, a couple hours ago, is the newly elected president of Arkansas chapter of the American Fishery Society, Christy Graham. Christy, first off, congratulations on the new role. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to meet with us here today. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation to come and talk with you guys today. Yeah, um, it's going to be a really good show. We're going to learn a lot of new stuff. Kyle and I are going to learn far more than I think we can imagine. Um, So one reason that we're meeting you here today without Kyle Veed is because you're kind of on a tight schedule right now. You're not from here in Northwest Arkansas, um, but you're here for the AFS convention, newly elected president. So maybe walk us through how's the week been, how's the convention been, and what, what all does that look like? Yeah, so this week uh, was, a, was our annual meeting of the Arkansas chapter, AFS, I'm going to refer to it as. Yeah. It's our short for American Fisheries Society, but 
it's a professional society that we have in in Arkansas. It's actually uh, a sub subgroup of the American Fishery Society, which is a national professional fishery society. Mm-hmm. So this is our smaller version of the the parent chapter is what we refer to it gotcha. as. But um, it's a group of individuals from all over the state, fisheries professionals in state agencies, government, university personnel, students, and it's just mm-hmm. a, a great opportunity for all of us to get together, share our research that we're doing across the state in different areas of aquatics, fisheries, mussels, habitat restoration, and just sharing that information and networking with the people that we typically only see once a year at this meeting. And thankfully the weather didn't completely bum us out this week. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of got got stuck here uh, for the right time, I guess, for the convention. So how long was the convention? Yeah, we started it Wednesday morning, kicked it off with a crayfish identification workshop. (laughs) Uh, We had that up at the Game and Fish Nature Center in Springdale. Um, And then started Wednesday afternoon with a bunch of professional and graduate student presentations and took us through this morning. And as of two hours ago, I was named president. I've served as president-elect for the last year, which essentially is like the vice president for a year. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. I know that's a huge accomplishment. Um, So maybe kind of tell us what the president does and what all does that role entail? Yeah, so president of the chapter, obviously we we oversee meetings, kind of guide the other officers. We have a we have the president and uh, president elect, and we also have a past president role. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing we do each year is organize and host this meeting as 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 mm-hmm. the officers of the chapter. Uh, but but throughout the year, we'll have other activities um, where the members can get together and do different types of things, cleanups or fishing events. Uh, we also support. We have an environmental committee, so if there are any issues that come up that are uh, something that myself as game and fish employee can't can't support us as a group. Gotcha. Um, you know, this is outside my role as the trout program supervisor. Okay. So. so this is standalone from the AGFC? Yes. Okay, that's yep. interesting. Yep. Can uh, can anybody become a member? Because now I'm really intrigued. Or do you have to be a graduate student who's working in biology or entomology? or? Yeah, you know, it's not something that the public has ever just been part of. It's kind of just if you're in the field of fisheries, then that's something okay. that you become members. But okay, gotcha. so strictly professionals of fisheries. Pretty much, okay. yes. I don't think that's us. <laughs> yeah, we don't qualify, Kyle. Daniel <laughs> might. Us. Our producer, Daniel. <laughs> but, um, well, that's awesome. So, um, as of today, you will be the newly elected president. Um, at, well, first off, how long is the term of president? Is there a specified term? Yeah. So, I served as the president-elect for one year. I'll be the president for a year, and then I'll be the past president <laughs> for a year. So That's awesome. Um, once you become president-elect, then it's basically three years of serving on what we refer to as our executive committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we rotate in some of the other officers every two years, secretary and treasurer. And, mm-hmm. and we have a number of different committee chairs. And Gotcha. So That's really cool. Yep. Basically, you're, you're, once you're president-elect, you're in for three years mm-hmm. of doing stuff. That's so. awesome. So with that, do you get to go to national conventions? Yeah, they will send some of us as representatives to the – we have a regional southern, southern division AFS, which is the southeast U.S., has an annual meeting every year. And then the parent society also has an annual a meeting 
And so as president, I'll be able to travel and represent our chapter at the Southern Division level and give a report on our chapter activities and meetings and stuff. So cool. it's and, a fun opportunity. And this is for all all waters in Arkansas, so all different types of species of fish, which is a little bit different than That's your job title too, with yeah. Arkansas Game. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, we have members in the, in the chapter who are specialists, obviously, in fish, but we also have people that specialize in habitat restoration efforts. We have crayfish experts. We have malacologists that deal with mussels. So we have a whole non-game fishes, darters and minnows and Mm. stuff that are experts. So that's so cool. Our members cover the full spectrum of dealing with aquatic species in the state. That is so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what I was going to ask too, because I get, I would consider you a trout expert um, in terms of AGFC, but um, being president of the, whole fishery society for arkansas the arkansas chapter um you must be very knowledgeable about all the species and everything that lives or is around the water in arkansas i don't know if i would say that (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's a good thing is you you don't have to be i don't have to be an expert in all of the different disciplines of aquatic biology just um i just represent us you know on the committee and yeah i let you know we're a good team but I don't have to know all that right. stuff, which is probably good. That's <laughs> awesome. But definitely more knowledgeable than the average person, I would say. Um, so if we were to go back, so you're originally from Mountain Home? Oh, originally I'm from Kansas. Really? Yeah. What part? Uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. Yep. I graduated from Kansas State. Uh-huh. Um, and then my uh, my working after undergraduate brought me here to Fayetteville where I worked, there's a fisheries and wildlife research unit on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, They had a big trout research project going from 2004 to 2007. I got hired as a technician on that project. And so I, that's where I got my first introduction to trout. And I've been with the exception of graduate school, working with trout ever since then. So. Gotcha. So coming out of school in Kansas state, did you know you wanted to be involved in trout or just fisheries in general? I did not know that I wanted to work with trout. It, was, it honestly was a, I'm trying to get experience in different things. And what I'll tell a lot of students who are in this field is the best thing you can do is travel and move, be not be scared to move to other places and meet new people, get different hands-on experience in fisheries. As I have a whole variety of working for different hmm. biologists in different states. I think I've worked in five different states doing different fisheries work. And so met a lot of people, mm-hmm. got a lot of different variety of experience. It's it's one of my best pieces of advice. So it worked for me. That's awesome. Yeah. If I would have known that program was available, I think I would have got a different degree. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, what it sounds a lot better than our degrees, doesn't it? It sounds a lot more fun, that's for sure. I honestly, as, an, as a high school student, did not even know that fisheries and wildlife biology was a thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to college and had an advisor who said, well, what do you like to do? And I was like, I like fishing. I fished a lot as a kid. He said, well, you should take fisheries biology class. And I was like, okay. And I was hooked forever. That's so cool. I knew immediately. That's what I was going to ask. What sparked your interest to to do this study? Yeah. I mean, I grew up by a small lake. I had Mm -hmm. parents and grandparents that fished. I fished a lot as a kid. And I, I always liked the outdoorsy things. So... When I got to college and found out that was a possibility, I was like, oh, 
Oh, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know the word angler when I started college. I knew what wow. a fisherman was, but yep. I, I looked at somebody next to me and said, what is an angler? An angler. <laughs> and he <laughs> laughed at me, and rightfully so, but I know now. <laughs> you know, funny enough, I think the first time I ever trout fished was in Kansas, in the strip pits in Kansas, which is far different um, than trout fishing here. What's a strip pit? Yeah. Um, do you, I don't even know what that strip is. It. So in southeast Kansas, um, there's a bunch of mining towns um, where a long time ago they just dig out huge holes um, in the ground, like hundreds of feet deep. So it's super cold, super, I don't know, um, deep pockets of water randomly throughout southeast Kansas, and they stock them with trout. So are you, so, are you like in a canyon, or is it, <laughs> does the water come out of those cold and they have you know, I don't know the history behind it, but they're full of water and they're like hundreds of feet deep. That's wild. and they stock fish. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, so you can catch trout in Kansas too. Yeah, but. they do. Tra- they do stock trout seasonally in Kansas mm-hmm. and some of the some of the locations, maybe family community type ponds, mm-hmm. and just to provide additional opportunity. That was the only trout experience I had prior to coming to Arkansas. Yeah. I'd never seen anything except for a rainbow trout. Mm. Now you're in trout capital of the world, right? Yep, exactly. It's <laughs> the place. I uh, have a funny story. I don't, we can edit it out if it doesn't make sense in our timeline, <laughs> but you were talking about not knowing angler until college. Um, I went on a big fishing trip as a young boy. I was like 10 or 11 with my dad and my cousins and my granddad, and we drove north into Minnesota, and then we're going to cross the boundary waters into Canada and fish for bass and pike and whatever else. And uh, we, I remember driving... And there's a radio station sign that said, if you're an angler, turn on this station for current updated rules, regulations, or whatever. And so my dad and my granddad were arguing back and forth if they actually needed to tune into it uh, to figure out what's going on. And my cousin uh, was like, hey, hey, it's okay. We're not anglers. We're just people who like to fish. There you go. (laughs) So it settled that. I don't think we tuned in. We probably broke a rule there. We're not anglers. We're just people who like to fish. Huh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever considered myself an angler, just a fisherman. I don't know if there is a difference really, though. But, no. I don't think so. Um, so let's transition into your role for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. What is that as the Trout Management Program supervisor? What is the Trout Management Program? And what are some, I don't know, interesting things you do, everyday tasks, everyday roles? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so, so I... So as the supervisor of the program, our our program is a statewide program. Um, Game and Fish has several different special programs to deal with some of the bigger fisheries and wildlife type things in the agency, and trout program is one of those. Uh, Trout management program, we also have a trout habitat program, so there's a different coordinator for that one. Um, But our program is responsible for oversight of all of the river trout fisheries in the state so we deal with not only the popular ones people would think of in north arkansas mm-hmm. bull shoals norfolk Grizz ferry those but we also deal with the seasonal trout fisheries down in southwest arkansas which is the little missouri river the washita river mm-hmm. that we stock seasonally with trout okay. uh, we do not deal with any of the family community fishing mm-hmm. locations around the state which stock trout seasonally but We're mainly focusing on the the management of the river fisheries. So we're the program that makes the recommendations on stocking numbers, regulations for the fishery, um, and then interacting with the public that that uses those fisheries. 
course, monitoring the fisheries is a big part of what we do as well. Yeah. When you say monitoring, what are you, are you monitoring numbers? Um, I guess catch and release, how many fish are taken, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so part of monitoring is doing our standard annual lecture fishing samples. That's shocking fish, going out with an uh, lecture fishing boat, uh, doing surveys of the fisheries where we have standard sampling we've done mm-hmm. for many years. Some of the fisheries we've done this every year for the last 20 years, where we go out each year, collect fish, take lengths and weights on everything. Uh, sometimes we're tagging fish to put, okay. you know, put tags in them to, to, to record growth rates and survival rates. Um, do special research projects in, in some of our locations, which we can mm. talk about more if you want to. But, um, but the annual samples serve as kind of our baseline for how do how do the fisheries change from year to year. Uh, we pair that with angler surveys where we go out and talk to people while they're fishing, which gives us. You know, where people are catching fish, how many, how many fish are people taking, the types of tackle they're using, and all that information is important for us to do the mm, management right. side of thing and make our recommendations. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it'd be pretty fun to tag along to do Shock the Water. I've heard people, some of my friends have gotten to go along with um, departments when they do that. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever let people come and watch that process? Do we ever let podcast hosts go? Yes, that's what he's actually asking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll see about that. Okay. <laughs> but, but yes, awesome. we, we do occasionally take folks out with us to see what we do. Is that a pretty cool process just to see what's living under there? You know, we always are like, ah, oh, there could be a monster fish over here or something. Or we don't get bit in a whole stretch of river and you just wonder if there's actually fish there. Yeah. A lot of people uh, are really surprised when you come out on the water. So they will tell, tell us all the time, there aren't any fish here. And I'll say, <laughs> give me five minutes mm-hmm, in the really? electric fishing boat and... Uh, you know, it is one of the most fun parts of our job, but it's also one of the most important to help us. Uh, we do our samples at night when it's low flow mm-hmm. and uh, trout it, are hard to collect during the daytime when we're out there. Um, there's less people out there mm-hmm. at night. So uh, it's it's our best monitoring tool uh, for seeing what's mm-hmm. going on with the fishery. It's really important. It happens to be fun, but it's also mm-hmm. really important. doesn't hurt the fish at all. Uh, they don't... It basically just stuns them temporarily. We'll throw them in the live well and aerate mm. them until we get them length weights and yeah. out the boat. That's so cool. One of uh, one of our previous interviews was with J.D. Dudley. Are you familiar with Dudley? Yeah, you great are? guy. Yeah. Yes. He's a, a really close friend of mine, um, and we we had him on the show earlier this year. Um, he was my basketball coach, Daniel's basketball coach, and just been you know a great mentor and friend to me. But anyways, he was telling us that below beaver actually there was like they shocked and they found a bunch of huge fish you know there but people primarily think beaver doesn't have the quality as other fisheries um can you speak to anything on that yeah i mean beaver tailwater uh, i have a special fondness for it because it was the first tailwater that was kind of when i came on as an assistant in the program mm-hmm. was like my assigned fishery so we did a lot of work over there and i the population is, it's a sleeper. Uh, it's not one of the most popular tailwater right. fisheries, but we have got some really, really nice fish out of there. Last fall, about a year ago, we collected a 22-pound brown trout in beaver tailwater. You're which kidding. It was hands down the biggest brown trout I've electrofished of oh all of our goodness. trout fisheries really? during my career. It was incredible. Wow. So is the... The numbers of quality fish smaller in beaver tailwaters, though? 
Yeah, we don't have nearly as many fish, but brown trout-wise, we see some really nice quality-sized fish. Huh. That's insane. That 22-pound brown in yep. Beaver. Beaver is my personal favorite place in the world, I think. I would rather go way through Beaver <laughs> than even float on the white a lot of times. Maybe because it's closer. I mean, I can get out there in 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, probably so why. I fish yeah. it a lot. Um, no. I love to hear if there's big fish in there, though. That, that gets me really excited. So why is it, do you think it has kind of the stigma of not a great fishery compared to other bodies of water in Arkansas? I don't know that it's not considered a great fishery. I think it's just smaller. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Bull Shoals is 90 miles. Right. You know, this one, Beaver Tailwater, we only manage seven miles below mm -hmm. the dam for trout. And basically, once you get to the Parker Bend access a few miles down from the dam, it's it turns into Table Rock Lake at some certain times right. of the year. So it's smaller and it just doesn't get the notoriety, but it has a really quality, good fishery. I've, mm -hmm. you know, we've never seen any issues. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a lot of the water quality issues that we see in some of the okay. places too. So I don't know if that helps with the, with the growth rates of the fish mm -hmm. over there, but we've seen some really nice fish in beaver. Yeah. Maybe I just haven't heard of them being caught or people keep it pretty quiet i think that's what's happening yeah because I'm, I'm blowing the lid off of how okay. great of yeah. a fishery it is as long as you don't tell people your secret access spot i think we're okay yeah, yeah. I, I won't i will not give the specifics yeah, on kid. where that fish was <laughs> that's so cool you're talking a little bit about uh water quality what i have literally zero knowledge as far as water quality goes what are you looking for what's a what's a good quality of water for trout what's not ideal yeah. Can you speak a little into that? Yeah, so trout fisheries, the <laughs> tail... Excuse the phone ringing. <laughs> <laughs> the tailwater fisheries in Arkansas are uh, possible because of the dams. Mm -hmm. I mean, trout are not native to Arkansas. They weren't mm -hmm. here. And the only reason it's possible is because of the dams. Um, and it, the water comes off the bottom of the lake in the dam, and it's super cold, allows for them to persist year-round. Like, said, southwest Arkansas, we can't stock year-round because those lakes get too warm. Mm -hmm. But the ones in the north part of the state are so deep that the water will stay cold year-round. Year so, And it's a consistent water temperature. Typically, we're not seeing uh, ranges. It ranges anywhere from 45 to 60 mm -hmm. throughout the year, whereas in a warm water fishery, you would have fluctuations from near freezing temperatures all the way up into the 70s, 80s easily. Just way too hot for trout. Way too hot for mm -hmm. trout. Um, trout can easily withstand temperatures up into the low to mid-60s. Um, it, it's not really detrimental temperature-wise for them till they get into the low to mid-70s. We'd start getting nervous, and that happens occasionally depending on the weather. Um, but So temperature is important for them. Um, dissolved oxygen is other big part of water quality that's important. Typically in the fall, in a high-water year, you have a lot of organic matter that mm -hmm. gets flushed into the lakes. Mm -hmm. and when that, that start, starts breaking down in the lakes it sucks the oxygen out of the water. So mm. at certain times when they're generating, they're pulling that cold, low oxygen water off the bottom of the lake, we'll see issues with dissolved oxygen. There's statewide standards. Six parts per million is the statewide standard okay. and try to keep keep it above that. Um, we have a really good working relationship with the Corps of Engineers and Southwest mm -hmm. Power Administration who help us uh, adjust the turbines to induce air and vent the water so it kind of helps improve dissolved oxygen and so we have good it's important for us as an agency to mm -hmm. have good relationships with those agencies and they get bashed right. on a lot but they actually do a real really good job working with us on that mm -hmm. that's interesting so going back you mentioned about stocking 
the fisheries and stocking the bodies of water with trout. How many times roughly a year do you guys stock? Well, some of the fisheries, we're stocking those year-round. Okay. So we stock nearly 1.5 million trout per year into Arkansas fisheries. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So, and that's all trout, all trout for the whole sure. state, all species. Mm-hmm. But um, and it, it, it's down from what it was 20 years ago. They were stocking 2.5 mm. million trout. But we've kind of trended towards a more managed for quality of fish mm-hmm. versus quantity. So that's shifted a bit. But still, 1.5 million is a lot. Yeah. So where, where did those come from? I mean, is it hatcheries in Arkansas? Yes. Okay, yeah. you're getting there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, definitely. We'll, I'll, I'll, I want to point that out because yeah. that's really important. But so we're some of the fisheries we're stocking every week. Like the White River gets stocking at least every other week all year long. Hmm. Uh, most all the fisheries, major fisheries, tra- tailwater fisheries mm-hmm. are getting stocked at least twice a month throughout the entire year. In the southwest Arkansas, we'll start mid to late fall when the mm-hmm. water temperature's cool and stock those through March, April when it starts getting warm again. So we're stocking somewhere wow. all year, every year. But That's a lot more than I than I thought. I thought it was just a couple times a year and a lot of them at a time. N- huh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're stocking. Uh, so the White River alone gets 780,000 trout per year oh stocked. So... Average that out, divide it by 12. My math's not going to work that good. A lot lot of fish. (laughs) It's a lot of fish. A lot of fish. Yep. Uh, Rainbows make up the majority of that. Probably Mm -hmm. 95% of what we stock is rainbows, but we're also stocking brown trout in a couple locations, cutthroat trout, brook trout, and occasionally special special fish, which I'm sure you guys want to talk about Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, I think that's a good segue to that point. Um, Kyle, I know you were interested about that the different species of trout in like, Arkansas. Like the tiger trout? Yeah. Like the tiger trout. Um, I know you mentioned brook, cutthroat. Mm-hmm. What what do the numbers look like there? Um, are you guys trying to, I guess, increase that population? Yeah, so they've been stocking all four species. Anglers here refer to that as the Ozarks lamb, mm, yep. if you can get mm-hmm. all four. And I don't know, you catch the other two that we've inter- recently stocked, tigers and golden rainbow mm-hmm. trout. It's like Ozark Super Slam Super or something. Slam. I think if you can get all of those in one day, you've had a pretty special day. Maybe, That's pretty yeah. awesome. Grand so, Slam. Um, but but those uh, those other two species, tiger trout and golden rainbow trout, uh, came about as special opportunities we had. We uh, So one of the hatcheries in Arkansas is the Game and Fish Spring River Hatchery mm-hmm. in Mammoth Spring. Uh, we had a big flood there in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, which caused a lot of issues with production and reduced numbers. Um, and as a result of that flood, we were able to get some FEMA money reimbursed to us, which we then turned around and used to purchase trout to make up for fish that they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so those fish that we purchased came from a private hatchery in Missouri who happens to have golden rainbow trout mixed in with their normal supply. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a naturally occurring thing. They're genetically identical to a rainbow trout. A lot of people think it's its own species, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's, it's Genetically, it is a rainbow trout. Yeah. It's just that color variant that is unique that happened to come up in that fishery. Is it kind of like an albino species? Same idea of genetics being thrown off, or is it fish and mammals don't really correlate like that? <laughs> it's not, it, it is kind of, people think of it as like albino. It's not exactly the same, and... I'd, I'd be lying if I tried to explain the genetics <laughs> about it right now, but 
uh, genetically, it is, it's just a rainbow trout. Some okay. people call them a palomino. That's not the same. That's a cross of two different species of rainbows. Okay. And uh, We hear them referred to lots of things, but there's a golden trout in California. Some people call them a golden trout, and they there's actually a species of trout called a golden trout in California. Oh. This is not that. Okay. So it's a golden it's, rainbow. It's is a the golden rainbow term. trout. Okay. Yep. I can correct people in the water now when they say Palomino. I say, no, it's not that. Not, not so that I is. guess you could say a golden <laughs> trout was a direct result of that flood in 2017. Yeah, we've actually had them in the, we've bought fish from this hatchery back in the, in the past. Um, it had been probably 10 to 13 years since the last. It was a result. Every, it's like when we get a flood, mm-hmm. we can buy fish to make up for what we lost and we had purchased fish from this private hatchery in 2008 after a 2008 flood and also got some golden rainbow trout. Big, They're so popular. People love those things. Yeah. They lose their minds. <laughs> and you, they stick out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. in, the, in the river. Yeah. Like you, you could have 100 fish there, and you don't see any except for that one fish. So, right. Do they spawn and reproduce golden trout? I don't know that – I don't really know how they get – you know, the numbers that they do, or if it's just part of when a regular rainbow trout spawns, some of them come out okay. as golden rainbow trout. I, yeah. I don't exactly know how that how they do that at that hatchery. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but the tiger trout were another unique opportunity we had. Uh, we actually uh, did some fish trades with the state of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we took them catfish, and they give us some trout. And tiger trout was something that we thought... Uh, we don't typically see our brook trout here in Arkansas do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of looking at, well, what if we were to exchange it for something else? Tiger trout is a possibility. Let's let's stock those for a couple of years and see how they do. Uh, we didn't have really high numbers of them we've stocked, maybe three or 4,000 at most in one year. We've done it for a couple of years. But the ones who have survived have done really, really well. Yeah. And we've even seen people catching them up in the low 20-inch range when they were stocked just a couple of years ago as a 9-, 10-inch fish. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's a brown and brook Correct. Uh, crossover hybrid? hybrid? Yes. That's the yeah. word. Okay. Yep. yep, sorry about that. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's the hybrid fish. So it's kind of the, the general thing is that they have the, the growth rates of a brown trout, but they have the the fight ability of a brook trout, which makes mm. for a good combination. Um, and these are, are triploid fish, meaning they won't they won't be able to reproduce once okay. they get to a to an adult mm. big size. So instead of putting some of their fish growing into reproduction efforts, they put it entirely into growing longer. Just getting big. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it's like the ideal sport fish. Yeah. That's the, so cool. I've seen online pictures of, of tiger trout in the 30-plus inch range. So no we're, we're crossing our That's fingers. That's so cool. It's, it'll be neat to see if we see some get that big here. I'm excited to show you my picture off mic after this and see if you can verify that it is, in fact, a tiger trout. Well, you can trout. show right now. Do you have it? Yeah, <laughs> I, let me find Let's it. Let's do that. Y- y'all can think through something else. I'll, I'll dig right. around. Um, so the question I asked earlier, the golden rainbow trout, are they able to reproduce in the waters here in Arkansas, or is every golden trout in there stocked by you guys? Yes, stocked. Okay. Yeah, 100% stocked. We haven't ever seen any evidence of, of, of golden rainbow trout. And there's Frankly, there's not enough of them out there probably to have much success, but mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> rainbow trout in general are not very successful spawners. Now, we do see a little bit of natural reproduction in our, in our fisheries of rainbow trout, 
but it's not so much that it could ever completely fully sustain the fishery. You know, it's okay. it's just we have to rely on stocking with Makes the sense. levels of fish that are being removed from harvest, mm-hmm. legal harvest. Um, we could never, there's not enough rainbows that are spawning that could ever support the fishery. Mm-hmm. We've, had, we've had instances where we stocked, stopped stocking a, a certain fishery for whatever reason for a few months and it ended up six months later there were no fish in there really? anymore hmm. just because they, they're all getting caught out they're either caught or they just don't survive mm-hmm. rainbow trout don't in general survive well no of course you we do have fish that survive because you get bigger fish but mm-hmm. we've seen five to ten percent of fish that we stock survive one year it's That's a really crazy. low number. Is that because they're not native to Arkansas, or is that just rainbow trout as a species? I think it's the not. Na- it's not the not native. You know, we don't know the exact reasons why. Um, if it's if it's the flows, the variable flows they have to contend with. Because if you think about fish in an, in their natural place, trout, they're not living in a place that goes from eight hundred cubic feet per second to 25,000 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. daily fluctuating up and down. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough chore for a fish, but some of them do well. And yeah, most natural streams are pretty much Stable. same year-round. Yeah, or, yeah yep. that makes sense. makes sense. All right, I found the picture. All right. It's my cousin with a fly rod off a jig. At- I can confirm that is 100% a tiger trout. All right. Oh. That is so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> How big was that? Uh, 17 inches. Maybe that's, a little, that's a little good under. One. That's so. good size, right? Yeah, that's a great size. Um, measure them real quick. Let them go. We were thrilled. That was a, that was a fun weekend. That's awesome. <laughs> and Kyle, I think you were telling me there's kind of two different colors of a tiger trout. That's just off of Google. I would okay. Is there? The, they you all know, pretty much look, look like, like the that. way Okay, yeah, Christy yeah. would know. Yeah. The I, the ones I saw on Google as we were looking at it maybe had some more brook coloration, so they had kind of the orange belly or the white mm-hmm. fins. But that, for, as far as tiger trout in Arkansas, they're going to look. They're going to look really, like yeah. Okay. Yep. So, going back to kind of the overall stocking numbers and process there, how how big of a challenge is it for you to manage both the angler's interest and you know hmm. producing good fisheries for people to fish in and the trout population? Yeah. So that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that's really important in my in in our program is that we are constantly balancing you know what the biology says what we see from doing our surveys with just the public interest and we deal with a lot of variety of people. So we've got the folks that are more catch and release, fly fishing type folks, and then we've got people who are definitely harvest-oriented bait fishing mm-hmm. folks who want completely different things about mm-hmm. the fishery. Um, and we used to, back in the old days, we had lots and lots of big political conflicts between these various interest groups. Um, so we actually do manage our fisheries now with management plans. So every five or six years, we're going in, having public meetings where we get people all come together to talk about what they like and they don't like and, you know, we, we get their input, and then we take that back and kind of have a mesh of things that will work for both groups. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say, well, we're going to make this entire fishery fly fishing, catch and release only, because you're, you could be eliminating. We hear that a lot about Norfolk. I'll use that as an mm-hmm. example. But we know from doing our angler surveys that 40 or 50% of people are bait fishing mm-hmm. on Norfolk, so you can't just go and do these extreme measures because you would be completely alienating one group of your anglers. So mm-hmm. for us, that 
balancing act is really, really important. The management plans help. Somebody comes and says, well, no, we did a public meeting where X percent of people said, I don't want that kind mm-hmm. of a regulation. So that kind of input's really, really important for us. Just as equally, the public side and input is just as important as the biological mm-hmm. side that we deal with. Mm. Are there any instances you can think of where the, the biology just 100% trumps the idea of what the public wants, or is it normally kind of a back and forth? Um, I mean, I can't think of any particular examples of where that happens. But, yeah, we have people tell us crazy things, and we I'm just sure. go, no, that, that, that can't happen. That just, that just wouldn't work. We hear people say, well, you know, you need to, you need to stock more bugs in the river. I'm like, we, we're not going to have a bug hatchery. It can't happen. But Do you all put bugs in the river? No. Oh, I was going to no, say. So it's just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, um, that's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> putting bugs in. Yeah, that sounds like a really tough, uh, tough line to balance. Mm-hmm. Versus, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're looking out for the trout too, right? You're looking out for the fisheries, trying to promote healthy habitat for the trout, but also you you're trying to keep it stable enough to bring people in, bring people into the state of Arkansas, and have success catching fish, both for the quality and for quantity. Um, you know, I'll speak for myself. I, growing up and until the last few years, I the only time I trout fish was to go home and cook it right mm-hmm. i didn't really care as long as it was you know a legal fish i'd keep it um just because i love eating trout but since i got close with jd dudley and started fishing with his jigs i kind of fell in love with the sport of it and i'm really starting to recognize the kind of quality of trout that we have here so you know i know that personally i have you know a dog in each fight i guess you could say of I don't really care about the size. I just like to eat them, and but then I like the sport of it too. Mm-hmm. So, I applaud you for that. That that sounds like a really tough job. Yeah, no, it 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 it, it can be, but mm-hmm. it's also one of the unique fun things too about my job is it's a lot of variety of people that I deal with. I mean, I, I we're always meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Uh, trout fishing's really really popular in Arkansas. I don't think people in general realize how important it is to Arkansas. I mean, it's a $180 million fishery in Arkansas. Yeah. And we sell, we sell hundreds of thousands of trout permits in a year. And it's, it's a big deal for Arkansas game and fish and just Arkansas tourism in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll even have, you will see guides coming from other States sometime in the fall and winter to, to try and guide on Arkansas water. Yeah. Um, I've run into people's like, Oh, we're in, you know, we're in, we fish in Minnesota or whatever, uh, or we come from Wyoming or something like that, but we're here in Arkansas because we want to catch big fish. And I'm, I'm like, I go to your state sometimes because I want to find big fish. So it's, yeah, um, that's really cool. That, that's probably another balancing act for you too, going into it. You have to, you know, meet the expectations for um, financially for the state and tourism and all those towns around the fisheries. Um, does that weigh into your decisions at all whenever it comes to, you know, stocking in the management program well i mean i don't i don't deal a whole lot with you know the whole economic side of things mm-hmm. but but for me it's like just if, if you manage properly people mm-hmm. are going to come and fish here it's it's just right mm-hmm. it's just really cool to you know see the variety of people and where they come from because i mean we'll do surveys on some of our fisheries where it's 50 60 percent of the people who are fishing are non-residents coming wow. from other states really We've seen in one year time that we could see people from 41 or 42 
other states coming to fish the White and North Fork Rivers. Hmm. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Coming to Arkansas. Yep. <laughs> Trout capital, baby. Trout, Trout capital. capital, USA. So, um, earlier you mentioned tagging fish. Is that something you guys do pretty regularly? Mostly the tagging efforts are special projects that we have going okay. on. A um, couple examples. Right now we're working with the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff to do a brown trout spawning study on the Little Red, the Grizz Ferry mm-hmm. tailwater. Um, and part of that is also putting tags in brown trout to see how much they grow and how long they survive, which we've been doing off and on for the last couple of years. We go out seasonally putting uh, pit tags and so pit tag is a passive integrated transponder and if anybody's ever chipped a pet it's basically the same principle that you inject that chip into the fish and then each time we go electrofish we can scan fish for those tags and we know exactly how much it's grown Mm. since we tagged it how long how long it's been since we tagged it so it gives us those really important rates that are important for fisheries okay growth rates death rates all that so if someone catches a tagged fish will they know can Mm -hmm. they see it they will not be able to see it it's an internal tag now we do do external tags occasionally uh there's something called a floy tag which is basically like a long skinny piece of plastic that sticks Mm. out of the back of the fish uh, which will have a number which is a different type of evaluating the fishery if we want people to report those fish Um, but these these pit tags are for this type of study is the right way to do it because we don't want people killing the fish just to give us a tag. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way for us to get information. We're doing seasonal work on, on uh, doing some tagging stuff on beaver tailwater right mm-hmm. now with browns. Spring River, we've been tagging brown trout. And then we also have uh, Dry Run Creek, which anybody with kids, I'm going to put a plug in for Dry Run Creek. North, it's in north central yeah. Arkansas by the North Fork National Fish Hatcheries. It's a kid's heaven, mm-hmm. spoil them for life mm-hmm. fishery for parents who just parents will get a kick out of it and, and watching their kids catch trophy size That's trout. Awesome. So I've always heard about it. I've never gotten to visit there. So we've been evaluating that fishery as well with tag with some tagging work and seeing how many of fish are moving from dry run into North Fork tailwater and back and forth and when are they doing that? How far are they moving in and out? So some really cool projects we yeah. have going on right now. That's awesome. I, uh, I can't wait for my daughter to be old enough to fish dry run. I keep thinking about it. I was like, what's the minimum age I can get away with? As soon as she there? can hold a fly rod. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> so how, why did those fish stay in dry run creek? Do you guys stock trophy size fish in there? We do not stock Dry Run Creek at all. So okay. all the fish that are in there are either fish that have swum upstream from North Fork Tailwater mm. in there or have just been in there... Uh, it, it, the hatchery outflows from Norfolk hatchery supply, you know, the feed that comes out of the hatchery and then fish escape and get into dry run Creek. But if I was a trout and dry run, I'm not leaving. You're yeah. just getting this constant influx of food from the hatchery and it, it, they get big and they grow really, really fast. We've seen five, six, seven inches of growth in just a handful of months in, in dry run creek that's unbelievable i didn't know a fish could grow that fast with a constant supply yeah. of food you can't it, yeah. and with the water is not fluctuating up and down i imagine no, it's a lot it's easier a, on it's, them. yeah it's completely consistent flow short of a couple of you know spring rains which might bring it up a little mm-hmm. bit otherwise just a constant source of even cold water flow and food mm. 
are fish caught in Dry Run Creek excluded from record books or, you know, state <laughs> records? Or... No, I, no, technically not. But huh. I'll still say that trout in beaver tailwater was the biggest one I saw. So Wow. I it, love hearing. I mean, Dry Run Creek consistently has an average size bigger than any of our mm, other yeah. trout fisheries in the state. Gotcha. Huh. But we might have one 45 minutes away from here, huh? I'm going to go try and catch that thing. What is the state record, do you know, for brown trout in Arkansas? Brown trout state record is 40 pounds and 4 ounces. Golly. Mm. Uh, We had a gentleman a few years ago caught a 38-pound trout on the White River. And I I actually met the man at our office to weigh it on a certified scale just to make sure it wasn't going to beat 40 pounds, Mm -hmm. 4 ounces. And it was, it doesn't even look like a trout when it's that big anymore. They're... It was crazy. How old do you think a fish that size is? I I don't know, honestly. Probably probably at least 19 or 20. Oh, my goodness. Through our tagging studies, we've seen fish, brown trout, survive. When I first moved here Mm -hmm. and worked at U of A, the tagging study we did then, we tagged a fish in 2007, and we, trout program, collected that fish in 2013 or 14, so... At that point, it had already been six or seven years since we tagged it. When we tagged it, it was already a 15- or 16-inch fish, which typically is going to take a fish three or four years to that fish. So a 30-, 40-inch fish, I have no idea how long it takes them to get that big. That's just wild. (laughs) Christy, this might relate more to the AFS, more so than the trout management program, but um, do you monitor all the fish species in Arkansas waters, like the White River... Um, tailwaters, et cetera? Yeah, when we go out and do our annual electrofishing sampling, we do collect any sport fish species that we encounter. So some of our fisheries will see largemouth and smallmouth bass. We see walleye in some Mm. of our fisheries. Now, as far as actually managing those fisheries, we as a trout program don't really do anything. We don't encounter a lot of those fish when when we're doing stuff, but we do collect them. We take lengths and weights on those. Uh, so we have that information available should our district fisheries biologists who actually do deal with those species more on a regular basis, uh, gotcha. you know, actually want that information. But um, mm. most of the fisheries, tailwater fisheries, if you catch, say, walleye on the White River, would fall under a statewide just general fishing regulation for that fish, whereas Bull Shoals Lake may have a four-fish walleye per day with an 18-inch minimum length mm-hmm. limit. Whereas on the on the river below the dam, it's six fish per day, no length limit. So, gotcha. huh. is there many spoonbill in the tailwaters or any rivers? We do see paddle spoonbill, paddlefish, paddlefish, yeah. paddlefish. We do see paddlefish in in the White River. Uh, we've seen them when we've electrofished below Beaver Dam. Mm-hmm. Well, we've also seen them in the White River below Bull Shoals Dam. Uh, most time, they make it all the way through Bull Shoals that are not surviving very long after they make it down mm-hmm. there but we will see in ta- uh, Missouri Department of Conservation stocks paddlefish in Table Rock Lake so gotcha. we get those ones that'll move up into beaver tailwater and then mm-hmm. escape and go downstream mm-hmm. but we actually do have a special snagging season for paddlefish in beaver tailwater for a couple really? months a year where people can go below the dam and snag for paddlefish huh. I'd be interested in doing that Just I'm originally from Oklahoma Northeast Oklahoma so and my my uncle is a guide for paddlefish, so I grew up spoon. I could just call him spoon billing, but snagging, you know, my whole life. So I've, I always figured there there was some in Arkansas, but I never knew for sure. 
Yeah, well, and there there are a lot in the big rivers, you know, yeah. outside of trout waters, Arkansas River and, and the White River downstream of the trout fisheries. We certainly see paddlefish, and uh, but uh, paddlefish are uh, the snagging season below. I'd I'd have to look at the exact dates, but I want to say it goes mid April to mid June, where yeah, you can go out and snag snag for paddlefish. It's not really popular. We don't see a lot of people doing it, but yeah. it is allowed if, if they want to. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you snag for a paddlefish? I don't think I know what that means exactly. I think you go out with a big treble hook. Yep, you get a big treble hook and I don't know. Chuck it out and just reel it in and hope yeah. you catch one. With a big sinker on the bottom and chuck it out there let it sink and like a pole that's maybe eight foot long, eight to ten foot long and just make big swipes and hope to you're hoping, to, one. you're hoping to foul hook one just somewhere okay. in the body. The paddlefish are not, they're not going to take a they're bait. A they're bait. they're okay. filter feeders, yes. so okay. they're not going to take a bait. So you're trying to catch them in the head or the body or mm-hmm. the spoon. Mm-hmm. It's crazy and, a fish that size just eat. And I think their primary uh, like source of nutrients is plankton, correct? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they get that big just by eating little, like, I don't know, little bitty pieces of plankton or whatever they can find. Yeah, they just swim around in the in the lakes and rivers with their mouth open, and they're, if you look at their mouths, it just filters out the stuff mm-hmm. out of the water. They're really, really neat fish. It's just like a freshwater whale. Prehistoric yeah. fish, too. They're very cool. That's re- I, Yeah, I've never seen one in person. Related really cool. to sturgeon. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. So that brings up an awesome point. Um, prehistoric fish, spoonbill. There's probably one other prehistoric fish in... America that's popular, that's about the same size, and that's sturgeon. Um, if you listen to our previous episode with J.D. Dudley, he mentions that he claims that he has seen a sturgeon in the White River several times, got it on video. Are you aware of this? Yes. Okay. Can you speak on that at all? Yeah, so Dudley called me uh, <laughs> or emailed me or I don't remember how it started with, I just saw the biggest fish. and At first, it was just a... A description he hadn't provided any sort mm-hmm. of video or mm-hmm. picture evidence of this thing and described it and I thought that sounds like from what you're telling me it could be a sturgeon mm-hmm. but we don't have any records of sturgeon mm-hmm. this far up the White River they're downstream in the lower White River but not up right below Bullshoals Dam and then he sends me video video of this thing swimming around and you know, they were going back and forth, calling it the White River Monster. Yeah. <laughs> apparently this thing's gigantic. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I, in, the video he sent was so, I even sent it to people in my agency that I, w- I am not a sturgeon expert mm-hmm. by any means. But looking at the tail, I, it was so cloudy and it was kind of dark. You couldn't really tell. But Perfect story was, for a monster. If, yeah. it, if it was a sturgeon, that would be really neat and, and get some people really interested in knowing, yeah. you know, who knows? I haven't heard anything about it for a while now, but it was a fun little social mm. media blow it was. up for I a minute. I saw it on Facebook <laughs> and it just went crazy. Like they gave no context. It was like JD Dudley just saw some monster in the river and that was it. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd been back and forth with them. It was one of those, like I told them, I'm like, I don't think that's I don't, I don't remember what they called it. And I was like, I don't think that's what it is, or I think this is what it could be. Mm-hmm. And they kept it secret on purpose just mm-hmm. to draw the drama, which yeah. I don't like as a biologist. I want to throw out right. the facts. This is what I think. And they're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> we want to keep people guessing. So oh, man. <laughs> it was a funny story for sure. Yeah. 
Um, it'd be pretty wild to have sturgeon in the waters in Arkansas. Um, in the trout waters. In the mm-hmm. trout waters, yeah. yeah. So are they regularly not? Like, where are they native to? Northern America, right? Yeah, they're native to North America, typically found in the big rivers, Missouri River, Mississippi okay. River. They're in the lower White River. Okay. Uh, but they're, they're just not a fish that has ever been found, like, right below the cold water dams on the White River. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they've got to make it up two to two or three dams at Batesville and then go another 90 to 100 miles upstream all the way to Bullshills Dam. And I, we've never once in a the Fishes of Arkansas book doesn't even have a, any dots at all upstream of Batesville for sturgeon as, as records of where they've been found. So that would right. be unique if it actually is right. sturgeon. Right. Um, well, kind of to switch gears here from that a little bit, Kyle, I know you had some kind of random questions and I know I did too. Do you want to touch on those at all? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good way to end. Um, I have two questions. First one, if you, if you're just trying to get into trout fishing, what's in your opinion, kind of the best all around water if you're trying to bring a family or maybe you don't have a boat or you, you do either way, but you know, you want to go have a good chance at catching some fish, enjoy the setting. It's beautiful. You're out, you know, you're in Arkansas, so it's hard to, hard to find an ugly place on trout water, but all around best fishery for it. Hmm. <laughs> I had to pick one. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to pick any favorites. If you're in Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. Beaver Tailwater is a great place for for anybody of any skill level to go, uh, from kids to adults. Mm-hmm. It offers a variety. Uh, depending on what the flow is, you can go and you can fish from the bank. You can take a boat. You can fish from there. So Northwest Arkansas, Beaver Tailwater is a great place to go. If you're mm-hmm. over in North Central Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You, you hit the White River because same thing. You can you can do a variety mm-hmm. of different techniques. Um, and, you know, there there are some fisheries we have. Norfolk wouldn't be necessarily one where I would recommend taking a family for the very first time. It's a little tougher with the boating and flow. and it's just more technical water? More technical, okay. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we even see that when we're working. It's a little more difficult for even for us to get around in a mm-hmm. boat when it's, when it's higher flows or lower flows. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but either one of those is is a really good contender for mm. family friendly. But you'll have guides at every one of those fisheries saying, "Bring them here, come here, it's right. great." So, but those would be my recommendations okay. if you were going to do that. That's awesome. Uh, my other, my final question. It's not about fishing, but have you been to Nima's Pizza in Gasville, close yes. to Cotter? <laughs> I recommend the Taco Pizza. Okay, I I know they're kind of famous in their own regard. Like they won a reward or an award somewhere in, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the city. It's where, in Gasville. It's in Gasville. Where do you, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Where do you gamble out west? Reno. No, the big one. Vegas? Vegas. Yes. I can't believe I blanked on that. You could tell I'm a big gambler. No, they, I think they won some award in Vegas for like best pizza one year or something crazy. So we heard that and we, anytime we're in Gasville. We're at Nemo's Pizza. <laughs> so the taco is the one to get? Taco pizza is pretty taco darn pizza. good. Okay. Yes. That's yes. good to know. Yep. Gasville. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. No, I love it. I, As a man who fishes the beaver tailwaters all the time, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I loved it. I'll, I'll put a plug in for another restaurant in our area. It's Heidi's in Norfolk, Arkansas. It's Heidi's. a sandwich shop that okay. has the okay. best sandwiches and soups and desserts. Okay. And she's a great lady. She love loves it. anglers. Heidi's. We'll Heidi's. be there. Yeah. yeah. Heidi's Ugly Cakes. 
That's what it's called? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Huh. That's it for me, Adam. Cool. Well, um, kind of to wrap up here, um, education is a big thing for Ozark fishermen. Um, so we always like to know the guidelines and kind of the laws and regulations before we go out. What should Ozark anglers like know before they go to trout fish? You know, regulations, um, slot limits, limits, etc. Well, so the regulations for our fisheries vary depending on mm-hmm. which fishery it is. And like I said, the management plans is where we set forth our guidelines for how we're going to manage with different length limits and daily limits on what species you can keep. So the best resource for people who are going trout fishing is to get the Arkansas Trout Fishing Guidebook, which is available on agfc.com. Okay, there you go. And that's that's the best way, if you're going fishing somewhere for trout the first time, is to look that up. Um, Most of the trout fisheries in Arkansas require not only a fishing license, but also a trout fishing permit, um, which you can buy online. Um, and keep with you when you're, you know, when you're, you have to have that on you when you're out fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two most important things. But because things vary so much from place to place, uh, that would be my recommendation is that you look those up in our trout fishing guidebook. The regulations are also in a fishing guidebook available at the same location, but the trout fishing guidebook is all trout, all the regs for all the trout fisheries in the whole state. Gotcha. That actually... It provides some pretty useful knowledge, too, about where to fish and time, time of year to fish, too, as well. Yep. I just looked it up. It's really easy to find. Cool. Yep. That's really helpful. Uh, one other useful piece of information for people, if, if they're interested, is the, the Game and Fish Trout Management Habitat programs. We share a Facebook page for anyone who would be interested in checking that yeah. out. Uh, we have different, you know, we post different information about the trout fisheries, fun little projects that we've been doing. We'll share results from our surveys. Um, but if anybody's interested, Facebook search AGFC Trout Management and Habitat, and okay. it's, it's a resource if you want to. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. See some more information going on about the trout fisheries. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll have to get Daniel to plug that in the episode down low. Um, well, Kyle, do you have anything else for Christy? I don't think so. I don't think so. We really appreciate you making the time for us, Christy. It's a really, really interesting uh, yeah. episode and topic. I just I love all things fish and thinking through it. So. Right, something that I think we could sit here the rest of the day and talk about. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll have to get you on the show again um, as we start trout fishing more in the spring and summer months. I think that'd be really cool. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Of yeah. course. Thank you, and congrats on your new role. Um, and we look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you leave a five-star review and email us a screenshot along with your mailing address to theozarkpodcast at gmail.com, we'll send you an absolutely free waterproof Ozark podcast sticker. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, full-length video episodes, exclusive discounts on merch, and free stuff, head on over to our Patreon website, which you can find the link to in our show notes. Check us out on Instagram and on our website at www.inland-us.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.